Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Cat. Episode number 269, recorded August 19th, 2017. Use that Star Trek comic book review, Ken? Not I said Star Trek. I should have. I should have. <laughs> this should have been an April Fool's thing. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no Star Trek to be had today. Nope. We're, we're uh, taking one step to the side, and we're uh, finishing off the Green Lantern, Planet of the Apes crossover, and... We're doing that. We're justifying it because <laughs> Star Trek has both crossed over with Planet of the Apes and Green Lantern. So yes. we felt like this was close enough. Several times, Green Lantern. Uh, twice now. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that's a good enough uh, justification for me. Rationalization. Plus, yep. Plus, we like Green Lantern and we like Planet of the Apes. So good stuff. Exactly. Two great franchises that go great together. Who would have thought? Who would have yeah, thought? I would have never. I would have never put these two together. No, and I think we might have said that uh, in episode two sixty seven, right? A couple but, weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it's but, it's really good. It's really good. It's it's yeah. good writing. But there is a crossover that I always did want to see, and they just announced it. Do Kong tell. on Planet of the Apes. <laughs> King Kong. King Kong. <laughs> and I and I thought Grodd. Is it Grodd or Grood? It's Grodd. Grodd. Okay. Yeah. So I thought Grodd was a big ape to uh, get in the mix. King yeah. Kong? King wow. Kong. Yeah. So, so far I've read all of the Planet of the Apes crossovers. You know, mm-hmm. it crossed over with Alienation. It crossed over mm-hmm. with... Um, Tarzan and Star Trek and Green Lantern and now Kong and so far they haven't made a bad one yet in my opinion all these crossovers <laughs> right I've, I've but you're a big it. fan to tell you the truth I'm usually a bigger fan of the other one than, than Planet of the Apes I've always liked Planet of the Apes but never it was never my favorite thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas you know all the other stuff they've teamed up with have always at some point in my life been one of my favorite things you know so alienation. Uh, it, oh yeah, boy. When I was in uh, junior high school, boy, I loved me some alienation. I, I liked the movie, and I really liked the TV series. Yeah, also. I like I liked the TV show, and then when it was canceled, they started releasing um, Peter David, actually the author. He started uh, releasing the novelizations of what would have been season two, so that uh, so that you know all of us that felt a little gypped off at the cliffhanger would get to find out where they were going to eventually go with that series. Was Peter David writing episodes? I don't think he was writing episodes. He was just writing the novelizations of the episodes. There oh. was a few there was a few books that were original, right? Yeah. But but the first like two or three were were what the next two or three episodes would have been if the series would have continued. Hmm. Uh, and those those I'm pretty sure was written by Peter David and then I think he might have wrote one of the there was like a prequel book and then another sequel book, but it, it, it was all good. I liked them all. And, good. and uh, 
so yeah, at one point, Alienation was was up there with like Star Wars and Star Trek for me. Great. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I don't know if I'd ever go put them in that league, but right, pretty good. Yeah. Upon rewatching them all, we I made my wife watch them all not too long ago, and, and uh, <laughs> they weren't quite as good as I remembered back when right. I was when I was a younger lad. Right. But uh, still good stuff. Yeah. Good actors. And and who's the actor that played the cop? Uh, Gary. No. Um, I was gonna say Gary Sinise, but that's no, not him. no. Well, whoever he Something is, similar to that. Yeah. He's played uh, Vulcans and stuff, so he's and, definitely yeah. been in the Star Trek world. Well, and the guy who played uh, the alien, um, uh, San Francisco, he uh, he also <sighs> was was in Star Trek. He he was the the leader of. Uh, was it Section Thirty One? Oh, really? Yeah, in Enterprise. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he was the he was the blonde haired guy that was popping up and interacting with Bashir. Um, no, I think it was okay. on Enterprise when he was. Oh, when he was manipulating Malcolm. Oh, hmm. Okay. Well, see, this, I, I'm not quite sure what that guy looked like because he was always in makeup, but right. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, so uh, the 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 guy that played the cop, he played both an Okampa and then a Vulcan uh-huh. in Voyager and uh, Enterprise. Good. Anyways, but we're here to talk about Green Lantern and Planet of the Yeats. Yes, we are. Get None us back on track, Star man. Star Trek stuff. We'll get, get us back on track. Throw that over there. Yeah, so today we're finishing off the miniseries. We started it a couple months ago or weeks ago, and uh, it was um, – so uh, we got episodes or issues four, five, and six. Right. Finishing it off. Yeah, so the first three issues, man, I was so hooked. I couldn't wait to get to the next one. Um, these next three issues, I kind of play it more like by the numbers, where it kind of went where you thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. So it didn't have that, oh my god, I got to read the next one, uh, kind of feel to me. I, right. I don't know. What about you? Um, it, it just had a lot of battles. Right. And then, you know... Uh, one group of people are battling, and they're like, oh, look, here's another group of people joining the fight. Oh, okay. And then, oh, here's another guy joining the fight. Oh, okay. And it's like, fight, 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 fight. Right. Yeah, yeah basically, we are in the final fight in issue number four, and right. it goes on for the whole three issues. That's a good yep. point. Yep. So, And then we got a surprise right. ending at the end, which is – that's tradition with uh, Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, yeah. You want to have a surprise ending. Got to have that twist. Exactly. A twist ending. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on forward if you're ready. Let's do it. All right. So I get to do issue number four of the Planet of the Apes Green Lantern crossover. Uh, this came out May of 2017. I don't think it had another title. I think that's just that's just it. No subtitle. Uh, the story was by Robbie Thompson. The writer is Justin Jordan. The artist is Barnaby... Baginda, colors by Alex Gamerez, letters by Ed Dukeshire, and the and the design by Scott Newman. And then we have uh, five covers. Um, just real quick, there's one by Dave Mora, Mike Mayhew, Philippe Masafira, Paul Rikovich, and David Ryan Robinson. And what do those covers look like, you may say? So the first one shows, uh, it's very red, and it shows a uh, red lantern chimpanzee with very long fangs. 
Uh, he's very furious and screaming. And then in the foreground, we see Zira and Hal Jordan. And then the next cover, which is maybe my favorite, or definitely one of my favorites. I love all these covers. But uh, this one looks like an old-style uh, 1970s type uh, movie poster. And it says, uh, Conquest of the Lantern of the Apes. And it has like some pictures of random Green Lantern people and random uh, Planet of the Ape people. It's good stuff. Then the next one is kind of a riff of a very classic uh, Green Lantern, uh, Green Arrow crossover, where in the original DC Comics, come to find out Speedy was a, a junkie. But uh, in this version, we see a Green Lantern, Cornelius, with uh, Zara, and they're looking at a mutated Taylor. And instead of saying Speedy's a junkie, uh, Zira saying Taylor is a mutant. It's kind of cool. Alright, then the next cover is a painting, and it shows the lawgiver as if he was a blue lantern, along with some other blue lanterns around him. And then the final cover is what they call the action figure cover, which makes it look like it's an old, like, Amigo-type action figure, and this is of the lawgiver as if he was a blue lantern. So, the story starts with... A young woman who is chosen to become a Green Lantern. She fights for justice everywhere within her quadrant of the galaxy. And then she's eventually singled out by the Guardians themselves for a very important mission. She is to take the dangerous Universal Ring to another dimension and hide it. She does so and she travels to an alternate Earth. And finds it to look very normal. Inside of a large city, she finds a safe place to hide the ring. And after doing so, she zooms off into space to try to return back to the DC Comics dimension. Her ring, however, will not let her do so. Just as she realizes that this was a one-way trip, this Earth is in the beginning of a nuclear war. Being the true hero that she is, she vows to help these humans as best as possible. We then flash back to the tomb of this brave young woman, and we learn that all of this was a recording played out for Sinestro and Dr. Zaius. Dr. Zaius then takes her green ring, uh, which seems to still have a full charge due to it being in close proximity to the universal ring shield thing that she had on, and he takes that as well. He now becomes a Green Lantern once more, and he does make a comment that this is somehow due to this old version of the ring still having the weakness for yellow. Meanwhile, in the Forbidden Zone, Hal, Zara, Nova, uh, an ape named, or a chimpanzee named Milo, and then another chimpanzee are riding on horseback, and they see off to the distance uh, the huge gorilla army running away in fear. They then sneak closer to find out what was causing them such terror. And they find the Green Lanterns uh, who had brought Grodd over to this dimension and were caught up in Cornelius' explosion in last issue, uh, all laying on the ground, knocked out. Hal is able to revive them, but as he was doing so, Zara... Nova and one of the other chimpanzees runs off to find Cornelius. 
As Zira and Nova are traveling further into the Forbidden Zone, they are subjected to crazy illusions, uh, often showing chimpanzees on um, crucifixes or hung up on X's, not necessarily a crucifix. Meanwhile, anyways, uh, Zira knows that these illusions are not real because the horse did not get spooked. And so they eventually find themselves in front of Cornelius and his ring-powered army. Zira pleads to him to stop, that the power has gone to his head. He not only refuses to stop, but he talks her into wearing a ring herself. He then forces Nova and the other chimpanzee to wear one as well. They then find a guerrilla soldier who tells them that he and the rest of the apes are no longer in control of themselves. They are all pawns of Grodd. And then Grodd blasts everyone except for Cornelius with some mind waves and knocks them out. And he commands them all to kneel before Grodd. To be continued. Well, Grodd, he makes his, his appearance. And he's ready to take over everybody. Yeah. Actually, I like the Green Lantern chick. She looks big boned, but she looks really like a two-fisted fighter. Right. I felt bad because when we read the earlier issue and it just showed like one panel of her flying the ring into the Planet of the Apes dimension, mm -hmm. you said she looked like Hal. And I just, yeah, I thought it was a guy too. So I was like, I don't think that's Hal, but... Yeah, he looks, you know, you know, I forgot exactly what we said. But then when I was reading this issue, and I'm like, oh, that's a girl. She's a very uh, muscular girl. So She's a muscular girl. And she's, right. she's solid. <laughs> I mean, even for a guy, she's kind of thick. Right. But very powerful. Yeah, I kind of dug the whole backstory. I mean, they, they four pages out of 20 are, mm -hmm. are given to her backstory. That's, that's yeah. kind of a lot. For, now, I assume that she's not somebody we knew about in the past. She's all just made up for this, right? Uh, that's my thought. Yeah. I mean, they don't even say what her name is, so no. I'm, I'm assuming she's just uh, somebody that they came up with for this book. Okay. And so she was a Green Lantern in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. So not that... People have to have old-looking clothes, but her outfit does kind of look like. Um, actually, she looks a little bit like a uh, a Wonder Woman Amazon outfit, or maybe a yeah. Greek Greek god kind of outfit, or something like that. Something that says to me, she's from the past, right? So, or a pseudo past, kind of like Masters of the Universe or something, where it's it's an amalgam of tech and. Um... Oh. And old school stuff. Right. Because, I mean, she has, like, you know, the gauntlet and stuff, and it looks it looks a little futuristic. But then, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely her outfit is, is, is old school. Yeah. But I like how she goes to whatever this Earth is, obviously. I don't I – don't, I was kind of trying to figure out when this was because I don't remember when the nuclear war happened in Planet of the Apes. Wow. So sometime after the 60s, but does it ever actually say when it happens? Well, quite frankly, I don't recall. In the original movie – when, you know, Taylor finds the sure. uh, Statue of Liberty and everything. He, and then, of course, there's radiated areas. Um, yeah. He thinks right away, oh, my God, we did it. We finally did it. We, we, we nuked each other. But then, as we see the other movies, it seemed more like, rather than using nuclear weapons, 
it was, and we we destroyed ourselves, and then the the, the apes kind of filled in. Right. Um, then it seemed to be more like, oh, we domesticated apes, and they were like servants. Right. Uh, but then, and then, so I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of retconning to me. Sure. Or, or, or did we find because we finally lost to the apes? Because that's what the movie that's out now is all about, isn't it? I mean, we're like the final battle with humans versus apes, but everybody's right. got conventional weapons. I mean, did we end up at the end of that movie using nukes? Well, not the. I mean, not that movie, but I think at, in one of the last old school movies, they. Yeah. I mean, they showed like in Battle of the Planet of the Apes that that's how it ended. And then oh, okay, kinda, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And they kind of go back into the future, and and then they find out that apes and humans are now living together, and right in the you know same kind of world that Taylor was in, right. except humans can talk, so. It's not quite the same, but yeah. Okay. But anyway, well, the thing is, so it must be in that time period then, right? At right? some point, so maybe even like in the '90s or something went back, same time as as uh, the eugenic war. <laughs> maybe maybe that's another parallel. Maybe back in the '60s they were all <laughs> I mean, like wait, oh, the, ni- the '90s eugenic are war. Crap. Oh yeah, yeah, eugenic war. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a Star Trek reference. Yeah, that's a Star Trek reference. Oh, okay, okay. I'm just saying that you know both Star Trek, Planet of the Apes came out around the same time, okay. and they both kind of talked about a, a third world war, right? In in the 90s, yeah. So, yep. so, uh, so maybe that's where she is right now, because I mean, right, the style and everything looks pretty contemporary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has a Woolsworths. Exactly, exactly, and it looks a little bit like an old school Woolworths, right? I mean, are there Woolworths around as much anymore? I mean, we had them in Chicago, but I haven't been back there in ages. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we, we don't, don't have them in Phoenix. I, we I never you... had them in Texas, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I just it, always heard of it. Yeah, they may not even be in business anymore, which would right. be an interesting indicator. There you go. So maybe it's the 90s or 80s. Anyway. Anyways, so it blows it. up good. So uh... <laughs> That's the bottom line. I do want to know how she ended up in the tomb because you usually don't put yourself in your own tomb. So exactly. At so, some point, she died and recorded this thing, and somebody else buried her in this tomb. Uh, good question. All good questions. So, was it the radiation from the nuclear bomb that uh, killed her slowly? Mm, so right. she was able to get back to the tomb, and then she ended up dying there of radiation exposure, even with her super cool ring. I don't know. I was kind of playing it out of my head that, you know, I could see her like doing everything she could for this society that mm-hmm. was all breaking down and eventually she died herself. And yeah. Oh, of old age. Of old. I, mean, I was I was hoping old age, but yeah. you're right. She could have died of radiation because she is in the thick of it when that bomb goes up. Yeah. That's what they showed pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. time could have went on, but really the last thing you see before you see her, <laughs> her skeleton back in the crypt in, in the current time frame. Uh, is getting hit with a lot of radiation. Right. Hmm. I did think it was odd when Sinestro says, I can use this ring because it still has a weakness to yellow. Yeah, what was that and about? I didn't, I didn't quite get that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, later we understand why he says it, but why does he say it in this context? It doesn't make sense. Well, he just puts the ring on. You know, your lantern. Hey. But you would think, you know, I thought you're supposed to like be like a worthy person, kind of like picking up Thor's hammer, right? To be a lantern, right? 
And I don't think Sinestro makes that cut anymore. Not anymore, no. Exactly. So, well, yeah. maybe is, – is that the explanation for it? Weakness to, weakness to yellow allowed it to be stupid and give him <laughs> the ring power? Bring him maybe, that's, maybe that's it. Maybe he still has enough of his yellow power that he's able to – or no, maybe because he's infused with the yellow power, yeah, and it can't recognize it because it doesn't recognize yellow. That eh, could be it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going Whatever. with that one. Let's go with that one. <laughs> yeah, but it was kind of cool to see Sinestro in a Green Lantern uniform. Again. Yeah, it's like the old days. Yeah. Uh, another person good to see him in Green Lantern threads again is Hal. I was so sick of that tattered white T-shirt. Oh yeah, I didn't mention that he did get the uh, one of those gauntlets that get guy had and yeah. was able to use the ring again. Yeah. So he's back but, in business. Yeah. It kind of makes me mad a little bit, I'm not going to lie, that they don't have to recharge their rings with the lantern. Yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of the whole thing, that they have to have the lantern to recharge the ring? I mean, definitely in the Star Trek crossover, they were losing their powers because they didn't have a, a lantern to recharge with. Yet, right. here in this universe, where there is no lanterns, um, not only did that woman's ring never run out but guy and everybody else and hal yep they uh they get their rings completely zapped put on the gauntlet and then it's fully charged well exactly okay so the gauntlet goes ahead and stops the dampening field okay but i mean is it truly a dampening field or did it suck the power out of it and if it sucked the power out of it i'm sorry hal you got a dead ring how are you gonna charge it right exactly that was yeah I, i completely agree Yep, and it didn't make sense why the um, the red lanterns aren't affected. So, I mean, they they said in the earlier issue that they're there and they're weaker, but why would Sinestro and Green Lantern's rings completely go out, go out. and the red lanterns stay? I just don't know. Damp? I don't know. I mean, they do mention it later. I'm sure that's not much of a spoiler, but they say because the rings were made differently. Mm. So I guess I guess that's the reason. Mm. Okay, well, uh, I will say that the only lip service they give to the whole idea of running out of juice, because nobody has a lantern to recharge with, at the end of the sixth issue, Guy does mention something about, you know, oh, right. good thing we're heading back because my ring's about out. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, finally. <laughs> but still, you've been doing a lot, and you've been okay. Right. So, yeah, too bad they can't, like, bring a lantern with them. And then, like, put it in a little pocket universe or something and then get That's access to it? That's what they do. They well, do do that. Well, why don't – they never do that in these books. They haven't done it in these books, but I've seen it in other books yeah. that they can just whip it out of that little pocket dimension. And Okay. Well, it's kind of like having a pattern buffer on your belt like in uh, Star Trek Voyager Elite Squadron. <laughs> yeah. Isn't, isn't that where you can put all your weapons? Yeah. yeah when you're not just, using them? They just stay in the pattern buffer and then you just – Pop them back in. There you go. I loved that idea in that game. I thought that was brilliant. That was a cool game. I like that game. Yeah, I should play that again. Yeah. Anyways, um, so Cornelius bounces back pretty quick, I thought, after exploding in the last issue. (sighs) Yeah, so the exact powers of this universal ring is interesting. I mean, are lanterns able, regular lanterns, are they able to just produce rings like crazy? Oh, here, no, have a ring. No, here, no. have a ring. I no, mean, it's it, like giving away a prize in a Cracker Jack. Have a ring. <laughs> right. Well, in, in the earlier issue of the series, he made those rings 
out of the bomb that the that the mutants were worshiping. Remember? Mm-hmm. But here he just pulls these ones from somewhere that That's he Zira. gives Zira and and uh, and Nova. Well, maybe he had a few extra from the original batch. Yeah, maybe a couple of people died from the uh, in that oh, last batch. Oh, that's another one. That's another one. Took the rings back. Right. And isn't it handy? Oh, I guess we'll find this out in the next issue, so I'm going to stop what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. But anyways, I thought it was funny. He shows up in this issue, and he's on a stretcher, and obviously he's injured severely from what we saw in the last issue, which is him exploding. Mm-hmm. And killing everybody. And right. here he comes. He's on a stretcher. You're like, okay, he was really hurt. And then the next panel, he jumps up and he's normal. Yeah, well, he he, he throws that one mutant guy against the wall because he's hurting Zira. Right. Also. So that got him up or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought he bounced back pretty quick. Yep. I agree. But I like that Zira took the ring, you know. She didn't really want to, but she took it because she loved him. And then she turned into the purple, uh, the sapphire-looking lantern. At first. Yeah, but then she turned evil. Or then she's like, basically had the mood ring like everybody else. Exactly. Then she turns red, and it's like, oh man, she looks pretty scary. Yes! She looks like, um... Uh... Oh... Not Spiegel. Um, <laughs> you know, my precious. God, yeah, I can't. Gollum. F- Gollum. He, she looks like yeah. Gollum a little bit. Right. I, I thought she looked like, and this is going to sound mean, but that picture right there when she says that, it reminded me of the um, the mom from Throw Mama from the Train. Oh. If you remember that actress? <laughs> I remember that actress. I remember the movie. Just the look on this on this uh, this panel really yeah. reminded me of that for some reason. Oh, man. Yeah. When they, oh, yeah. When they first showed her and stuff, you really didn't. Yeah, throw her. That's good. <laughs> throw her. Anyway. That was was that a good movie or am I eh, remembering it? With, wasn't uh, great. You know, I don't think it, I don't classes. think it was great. It was good actors, but I just yeah, I thought it could have been a lot better. Right. Yeah. Anyways, um, let's see what else about this one. I guess my last little note was that Grodd. Thinks he's going to be uh, telling Cornelius, the Universal Ring Bearer, to kneel? <laughs> well, good luck with that, pal. Well, he's that's, controlling. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Well, I know, but I'm thinking, come on, the Ring Bearer, come on. Right. So the White Ring Bearer, or the uh, you know Universal Ring, whatever. Yeah, good don't luck. Don't it with the White Ring. That's something completely different, Ken. Yeah, but you'll notice he turns white when he goes really super yeah. universal. Which I makes know. sense, because white is all colors, right? Well, a lot of these guys are kind of white, whitish. When well, who's white? Uh, some of the little followers, or is that supposed to be yellow? I think they're supposed to be yellow, mm-hmm. but whatever. You're right, but but they're wearing white cloaks, so maybe yeah. it's white. But then on they the got outside. yellow outside, or right. outlined in yellow. Sure. Yeah, whatever. 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 Grod is, Grod is huge. Grod I mean, is huge. These the the gorilla the gorilla soldiers. I mean, they don't even come up to his elbows when Grod is. Walking on all fours. Yeah. No, he's like he's like two or four times bigger than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised on how big he was. Well, okay, so he's pretty big in like when I've seen him in like Flash and things like that. But he's right. really big here. Is it normal that he's that he, big? He seems bigger than he's supposed to be. Okay. Than he normally is? Right. Okay. 
But it's all up to the artist. He's exactly. always as big as what the artist wants. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's the last thing I have to say about this one. Yeah, I don't have anything else either. Okay. Let's do number five. Do it up. Okay, so this one was published June 2017. Issue number five, of course. Stories by Robbie Thompson. Writer Justin Jordan. Artist Barnaby Baganda. I think everybody's pretty much the same, right? Well, letterer Ed Dukeshire. Colors, Alex Guimaras. Design, Scott Newman. Associate editor, Alex Gaylor. Editors, Dafina Pleban. And DC Comics editor is Jim Chadwick. Okay, we got a lot of covers again. Five covers this time. So the first one is a very busy one. Lots of characters fighting in the background with Cornelius. And a second ape in red color coming at the reader looking all fierce uh, with their red lantern outfits on. I kind of like that Kilowog is in the background being pitted against Grodd, which is kind of cool because they're, you know, big guys. So it kind of makes sense. Covers by Barnaby Bagenda. The first retailer incentive variance cover is, uh, it depicts a huge battle. And it's bad Cornelius's, bad Cornelius's mutants and apes versus the lanterns and Hal's forces. And, oh, my God, it's like crazy. It's pandemonium. And, of course, they do it like in the issue number four. They do it in the style of a 60s movie poster. And since I kind of recognized it, especially uh, with Grodd holding Hal up in the air like he's getting ready to throw him down. Um, It looked very familiar to me. So I did a little bit of research, and indeed, it is uh, modeled after a Battle for the Planet of the Apes movie poster, a real one. And what they've done is all the cover elements are exactly the same. And all they've done is adapted it to this comic book series. So in the original one, it shows a gorilla holding a army soldier, a human army soldier in the air with a rifle. And there's all kinds of, uh, you know... Humans and apes fighting in the background. And uh, so, anyway, so it's kind of cool. Maybe they did the same thing in the fourth issue cover that looked like it was from the 60s. Maybe they patterned that after a real uh, Planet of the Apes movie poster. Anyway, moving on. Third one is Retailer and of Variant Cover 2, which features Cornelius in a more traditional Hal Jordan Green Lantern outfit and striking a very Hal Jordan-esque flying pose. Behind him is Hal... Uh, in an astronaut outfit like Charlton Heston wore in the original Planet of the Apes movie. Uh, Zira and four more characters are on the cover. Two of them have outfits from various Planet of the Apes movies. So uh, I think Zira is, yeah, Zira's in like a space outfit like they were in in Escape Planet from Planet of the Apes. Um, and then maybe Taylor's in there, maybe. Uh, anyway, lots of people in there, including... Dr. Zayas, one of my favorite. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Retailer instead of variant cover three, um, almost looks like they snuck. Well, okay. So it's, it features Zira, uh, Zira, and she's got a staff with a glowing thingy at the top, and she's going into battle. And what's kind of interesting is she dominates the cover, but in the lower left-hand corner, it almost looks like they've slipped Thanos into the cover, um, and maybe he's supposed to be somebody else, but looking at that big old huge jaw and the way it's got the little vertical stripes and stuff, that says Thanos to me, but I don't know. That's Marvel. Who knows? 
And then in the upper right-hand corner, there's a girl that kind of reminds me of Jayla from uh, Star Trek Beyond. Kind of weird, but that's what I was thinking. And that covers by Philip Masafara. Oh, the previous cover was by Paul Rivoche. I may not have mentioned that. Okay, the last one is the action figure variant cover, and this one features Dr. Zira as an indigo lantern. Cover art by uh, David Ryan Robinson. Sinestro, with his newfound lantern powers, is playing with Dr. Zaius, suspending him high in the air with a green construct around his neck and choking him. To save himself, Zaius tries to convince Sinestro his knowledge of the planet and its apes can help Sinestro to achieve his ends. Sinestro recognizes that Zaius is just trying to survive and wait for an opportunity to turn the tables on Sinestro, but he believes Zaius might be able to help him anyway. He constructs a green cage and puts Zaius into it. Sinestro takes to the sky with Zaius in tow. Meanwhile, a battle royale is about to begin with Grodd telling Cornelius to kneel. Cornelius responds that they are done kneeling. He and his three lanterns prepare for battle, but are brought to their knees by Grodd, who uses his telepathic powers to mostly disable Team Cornelius. Grodd explains that the power rings they wear make them particularly susceptible to his mental powers. The mutants who are telepathic are also naturally susceptible to his mental powers. He can control them all, including the normal apes. Through maniacally grinning teeth, Grood again says, Kneel. Clutching his head, Cornelius says again, No, in a weak voice. General Ursa walks forward under Grodd's control with a nasty-looking bladed knife in his hands. This thing is almost like a machete. Grodd tells him to kill a nearby orangutan. The general does it without physical hesitation, but he tells the orangutan named Maximus that he will be avenged. The general broke the first law. Apes don't kill other apes. Grodd screams to the crowd with outstretched arms, I am the lawgiver now. Cornelius fights on and will not be cowed by Grodd's display of power. He stands and tells Zira and the others to take to the skies. The battle begins. Nova is grabbed and hurled to the ground by the mighty huge ape, while Zira and another ape with the lantern powers shoot right in Grodd's face and hit him in the face with red force beams. Bloody face from the attack, Grodd orders his red lantern thralls to kill them. Still on the ground, and with the universal ring, they attack Cornelius, who erects a dome-shaped force shield to keep the red lanterns at bay. Atrocitus and the other red lanterns beat Cornelius's allies away from Grodd, but there is no rest for the wicked, as Guy Gardner swoops in and starts whomping on Grodd. Kilowog, Hal, and the others join the fight. The massive fight continues until Hal and Cornelius's team are pretty much beaten. Grodd grabs Zira by the neck and head with his massive left hand. Grodd makes his next demand, this time for the universal ring on Cornelius's hand, or Zira will be killed. 
Finally, as Cornelius is about to take off the ring, Zira breaks free and tells Cornelius he can't give up the ring. She appears to kill herself with a point-blank shot of white energy directed at her own face. The blast is so big, it also hits Grodd and knocks him to the ground. Cornelius, at the sight of the love of his life dying, does his best Christopher Reeves impression and screams, No! Hal tries to talk sense into Cornelius to stop all this, but is struck by Atrocitus into unconsciousness. Atrocitus, now freed of Grodd's influence, advances on Cornelius and is about to cut his hand off to get the universal ring when a spiked green mace hits his arm. Cornelius drops out of Atrocitus' grip. Then Atrocitus grabs at his bleeding arm. Atrocitus turns to see his attacker and says, You! Sinestro, with a long-handled mace construct resting on his shoulders and dripping blood, simply says, Me. To be continued. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. You knew Sinestro had to show up eventually. But um, I kind of like it. Sinestro doesn't mess around. Right. Nope. And I don't and like you can... oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go. No, I was going to say, and it was kind of odd to see that blood can actually, like, stick to <laughs> construct? constructs. Yeah, which I <laughs> didn't think that could happen. No, but it looks cool, doesn't it? It's vicious. Well, it's got these constructs have to be physical, right? Right. So, I mean, if they can physically womp on people, they have to take a physical form. If it has a physical form, well, blood, yeah, but baby. it doesn't. It's not always a physical form, though. So I don't know. Well, but yeah, you. you I mean, just like with holograms, they they gotta exactly. have some sort of substance. Exactly. How does that work on those holodecks? Good question. They should have said that in the the Green Lantern Star Trek crossover when when Scotty was figuring it all out. He's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, these work just like the hol- the holodeck, which we shouldn't have, but we do." <laughs> <sighs> yes. Anyways, I just wanted to mention that for such a big guy, Kilowog seems to be a so-so fighter, at least in this issue. He gets taken out by the cat, right? He yeah, he gets beaten by that little cat guy, and then there's a second lantern with kind of a Johnny Storm thing going. He's got like right. fly, flames coming out of his head and hands. Right. So it's two on one, but still, the cat guy can't count for much in a fight. Come on. Dexter, man, he's great. Oh, Dexter, that figures. <laughs> I'm no cat fan, period. But well, he is a red lantern, so he has he's a red lantern. Well, as okay. much power as any other red lantern. Oh, okay. Well, he looks pretty weak to me. Because he looks like a cat. <laughs> it's hard to take right. cats seriously when they're uh, it is. small. Once they, like, get, once they get lion-sized, uh, yeah, you take them seriously. Well, yeah, of course, then. I mean, it's kind of like that squirrel lantern, green lantern. It's like, eh, I don't know. Chip, chip. chip. I've never seen him in action, really. But, you know, I kind of have to question it. So the cover was advertising uh, a fight between Kilowog and Grodd, which I thought would have been cool, but uh, not happening so far. Well, yeah, and Grodd was a Red Lantern in that picture. Oh, or right. I guess was he? Yeah, I don't know what who that's supposed to be. There's quite a few 
ape-looking red lanterns in that picture. Well, that first cover was kind of confusing. So there's a red lantern right behind Cornelius. And, of course, Cornelius is looking all muscular and angry and like, ooh. Right. But then there's a red lantern behind him. And I don't know who that is. Right. So. But he's a gorilla, and then there's a red lantern behind that guy that's a gorilla, and then there's a red yeah. lantern behind that guy that's a gorilla. Yep, 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 yep. That's funny. They're all re- they're all apes as the red lanterns, except for Dexter, who who is who did make the cover in his normal form. <sighs> oh, right, right. Yeah. Anyways, that's funny. Yeah. So uh, real quick about the covers. Yeah, that that other cover that I had uh, that that I said looked like the movie poster. That was, I think another cover, another movie poster for battle of the planet of the apes where it oh, had okay. that, like, um, the font was as if it was like, uh, made out of stone or something mm-hmm. and kind of jutting mm-hmm. out. Right. Yeah. That's a, I'm pretty sure that's a battle of the planet of the apes poster. poster. Yeah. Which is cool. So. That's great. Yeah. No, that's what I love about these covers is that they do one cover that is, something that's very similar to Planet of the Apes posters, mm-hmm. and then another cover that's one of the classic Green Lantern covers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, like like I said, that last one, issue number four, it was a very famous Speedy's a Junkie um, episode or issue. And then in this this one, I don't know what, the, what cover that is. I can't tell you exactly what the storyline is, but uh, I've definitely seen it before. Oh, the one with the Green Lantern logo at the top? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I love I love how they did these covers. Yeah, and they were kind of consistent. So what was the deal with uh, with the one where Zero has the staff and stuff? Is that supposed to be from something? No, I think that's just they they do one painted cover for every single one. Okay, and, it's and the, they do it a similar style. Similar style, and it's all of the um, just a, one an ape as if it was one of those one of those lanterns. Okay. So uh, I can't I can't remember. I think Cornelius was Green Lantern. Um, I forgot who the second and third one issues were, but but every issue so far has had one big right. painted poster that that looks like that. Okay. So who's the guy at the bottom that looks a little bit, at least in the chin? The like one you Thanos. said was Thanos. Looks like Thanos, well, at least in the chin. Not, he's not Thanos. I can, I can agree with that, but doesn't <laughs> look at him? Doesn't he look yeah, like Thanos? Yeah, no, I I see it. It kind of has the bumpy chin. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I assumed it was some other um, character. Purple, purple. I almost said purple ranger, but uh, <laughs> purple ring bearer. One of the other star, sapphire um, people. Okay. And then that is that supposed to be Star Sapphire in the upper right hand corner? No. Okay. I don't know who that is. Okay, but it does. I don't know. I don't know who any of these people are. Okay. It does look a little bit like Jayla, though, right? I can see that when you said that, but yeah. But she never had a, a glowy thing at the top of her staff. Right. And the tattoos don't obviously match. So Yeah. Yeah. But, but no, when you when you said that I could definitely see where where you were coming from. There you go. There you go. Okay. So Atrocitus and Sinestro. Ooh. Battle of the Evil Titans. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. But I thought Atrocitus was kind of weak, weakened. You know. Right, that's that's why he doesn't have any kind of a you know. He doesn't have one of those cool devices on the arm. Right. Yeah, I don't think this this normal mace thing would have snapped his arm like it did in this one. Right, if he was full power. Right. Okay. But let's talk about the biggest thing in this issue, which uh, which I thought was huge, which is... Zira uh, dying? Zira, man. Yeah. She killed herself to save Cornelius. Yeah. 
It's like one of those um, Mission to Mars, that movie where Tim Robbins takes his uh, his helmet off to keep pe- you know keep everybody from coming back for him, and he kind of freezes up real quick. You ever see that movie? Spoiler. Yeah, I saw it back when it came out. I, I didn't remember that part though. Yeah. Okay. Well, he does that. So that's you want to tell you what I remember that movie? They had square cokes or something like that. <laughs> that's what you remember. That's what I remember. <laughs> and then wasn't there a Val Kilmer movie came out same time that was kind of a similar premise? Red yeah, or something it was. Like yeah, it was going to Mars, right? Yeah, right. Yep, those are the two things I remember about that movie, and I watched both of them, but I can't tell you anything that happens in. Well, I could. And uh, you spoiled it, but I'm not going to. I, I, I told the, the end. <laughs> that's not the end. That's like maybe okay. three quarters of the way in. But I did, I did tell how that character died, you know, the mission right. commander. But right. one thing I liked about that was at the beginning of it, where it's like, uh, you know, all the astronauts are like driving fast cars and stuff. So I forgot which one, but one of them comes to um, another, you know, somebody's having a party or something. And yeah, then Square Cokes, I remember. And then it's Gary, well, I think it's Gary Sinise. He drives up like in a, like, like in a, a, a an old Mustang or an old that or something. And it's right. like, blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, and then one of the other ones said, you're bringing that rickety thing. And the guy goes, because apparently all the cars are like running off a of fusion or something at this point. And then the guy goes, there's no replace for internal combustion. I love that. I like that. <laughs> internal right. combustion. So I'm still looking forward to fusion cars. But mm. so, anyways, so back to Zira, you know, sacrificing herself. Yes. Yeah. Well, well I, I wasn't sure that she was dead, but I think she's dead. I mean, spoiler, okay. you know, she doesn't come, she doesn't step back up again. No, she's dead. Yeah. And then, because after she did that to herself, then then Cornelius attacks. Yeah. Equal power, so she got it twice. She's a she's a crispy critter over there on the side of the road now. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, after she's like on her back, or oh, and then Groot's down too, you see like smoke coming out of her eyes and stuff, her eye sockets. It's yeah, pretty gruesome. It's kind of gruesome. Yeah, self sacrifice. I'm, I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, so that was the first thing that happened. I mean, all of this you don't really. Well, I think Taylor dies in the first issue, right? So. You, you. This really drove home again, kind of like with the Star Trek crossover, that this cannot be the same canon as the Planet of the Apes universe that right. we already know. Right, but it's close. Right. So here, pretty soon, some some lantern characters start no longer existing, and so then you're like, oh yeah, this really can't exist in in either universe now because uh, right. that person can't. Yep. That person can't be dead. <clears throat> right. But the whole idea was supposed to be, which was very cool, which is the Planet of the Apes is in some kind of – I think it was this, this series that, that postulates it – is in some kind of a uh, – or maybe it isn't this one. Maybe it's another one. Anyway, the idea that it's in a time loop. Right. It was this one. It was this one? Okay, good. Yeah, because yeah, Cornelius <laughs> brings it up in issue six again. Okay, so – yeah, exactly. Time loop. That's right. He, yeah, right. So we're going through the same pattern, um, right. which I thought that was so cool. It's like, hey, you know, you're right about that. It's in a time loop. I never thought about that, but yes. Right, because the, the war happens because somebody came from the future to right. the past, and then right. from the 
past back to the future right and then it all happens again exactly so pretty cool yeah it's kind of what i wanted battlestar galactica the reboot series to to end up actually kind of doing the same thing because they always talked about how they'd done this before this has been you know this has always happened again and it'll happen it's happened before and it'll happen again that that kind of thing and i was really hoping that they would somehow tie in the original battlestar galactica series with this one and then have it end with it rebooting and starting all over again which i guess you know spoiler alert it does in a way but not 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 to the way i wanted it to well, yeah, it didn't quite tie into the 79 TV series, but right. obviously there is a repetition going on in the fact that you make the robots and then the robots eventually take over because you don't treat them right and people are bad. and People are bad. And no then... Skynet happens. And then, <laughs> no Skynet. But uh, the robots take over. Um, the Cylons and... And then, 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 then it's the humans from Earth that are now going off and whatever. Right. Anyway. So, yeah. I, and and have you ever seen the Dark – or read the Dark Tower series of books? I have not. Well, they do the same thing. Same thing. So it comes up and, oh, you know, he finally gets to the Dark Tower – and I'm not going to go into all the details because people may not have read the series, but it just plays that same, oh, it's happening all over again card. It's like, oh, my God. Right. I went yeah. through these six books or whatever it was, a lot of books, and that's how you're going to end it on me? Ugh. Yeah, I actually worked at a bookstore when that final book came out, and um, a lot of people came in a little disgruntled on how it ended. And, and so I did, I did already know that much of the ending. Okay, and, okay. Uh, well, and uh, I can tell you that the fan base at the time was not happy. Yeah. Well, I wonder what they're going to do about that when they ever were successfully able to make a movie out of it. I mean, a mo- I, I thought it was going to be a movie series. Of course, you have to have a movie series. Come on. But then they just came out that that one. Well, it's it's already out of the theaters. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and definitely, it's, by, already, it's already out of the theaters. You said out of the theaters. Oh wow. Well, uh, I'm it pretty didn't sure. Get good reviews. I, I no. knew that it wasn't doing well. No, it didn't get good reviews. Um, I thought the casting was great. Uh, Adira Selba, I think I got his name right, and then uh, Matthew McConaughey. Right. I, I thought that was great. Great casting. But they actually tried to do the entire story in one movie. Is that yeah, right? I heard, I heard they combined several books or just kind of yeah. cherry picked. Cherry picked. Series. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Anyway, we got to get out of here and back to the book. Or, <laughs> but whatever. It's, you know, it's the looping thing. Right. Anyway. So anyways, I liked I liked this one, and um, I'm not going – well, I, can I go ahead and tell you where I, at this point what I thought how it was going to end? Sure. And, I mean, of it's course. not going to spoil anything. I won't tell you if this is what really happens or not. Yeah. But, but at this point, uh, after Zira dies and stuff, and I really thought that – Cornelius would do what Zira did and sacrifice himself by <laughs> by destroying the planet. I thought he was going to be the quote-unquote bomb that's at the end of um, the second Planet of the Apes movie, right? So he made the rings out of the bomb, and then 
if you remember, that movie ended with the bomb going off and destroying the Planet of the Apes again. Mm-hmm. So I was really thinking, well, since the bomb's gone, that part can't happen. So I'm betting Cornelius will basically destroy the Earth again so that it'll then go through the whole reboot process like I guess it always does. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where the series is going to – or that's where the this series is going to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since they already brought up the whole looping thing and stuff like that. So right. just telling you, that's where I thought we were going to go in the next issue. Cool. Well, kind of close. Yeah, but not, not quite. Not quite. Not quite, but still. So anyways. Okay. Well, the last thing I want to say about mm-hmm. this one is I'm very interested that Sinestro is keeping Dr. Zayas in play, which is cool. And at the beginning of this issue, you know, I, I mean, he, he actually constructs a cage and takes him with him. And right. it was like, what's the deal? I mean, is this just fan service, you know, just to keep a character, an important character in the original series, keeping him around? Or right. is there going to be like something big, important, some important plot point that Dr. Zayas is going to do? So he has to be there at the end. So that's what I was thinking. So that's... That's the only thing I was thinking about the future. I thought it was very odd, you know. He was keeping him around. He must be involved in. in he must be involved in the ending somehow. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that he he brought him because yeah. it doesn't doesn't make any sense. No, nah, he didn't need to do that. It's very James Bondy. Let me explain <laughs> my whole plan to you, James Bond, and then bring you with me for <laughs> Yeah, Goldfinger. In Goldfinger, rather than doing the laser thing in the original book. He actually brought Bond with him and forced him to work for him, basically. Right. Anyway, just thought I'd mention that. Okay. Anyways, you ready to go on to next? Let's do it. Let's find out what happens. Before we do that real quick, um, I don't remember how much the mutants are in the next issue, but did they explain why they don't look all mutated-y? Here in this book and in the last book, they look still very human. They don't... Yeah, they, they got their masks the rubber, on. I think they got the rubber masks on. Okay. Or maybe through the power of the rings, they don't need a mask anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was it. I, I don't want... think I don't think they explained anything. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, the next issue came out in July of 2017. Um, all the uh, writing staff and everything's the same, so I don't necessarily think we should read it all again. Uh, we will go through all the covers. There was, again, quite a few. The first one shows uh, Cornelius, who, again, looks like an enraged, normal-looking chimpanzee. Not like Cornelius himself, but more like a a real-life chimpanzee that's really ticked off. But anyways, he's kind of floating in the background, and he has uh, several different colors of lightning bolts striking him and and then uh, rubbing off of him onto everybody else. And then at the ground, we see... Sinestro in a Green Lantern uniform, and Hal Jordan. And then the second cover is the movie variant. Um, I don't know which Planet of the Apes movie this is, but it's the one that shows the like wicker-looking cage and has the humans in it. But instead of humans this time, it is Green Lantern folk. And then in a little panel, instead of uh, a photo that we would have seen, and, and whichever movie this is this is supposed to be, we see uh, what looks like the movie version of Sinestro. 
The uh, next cover is one. It's a classic cover from the Green Lantern, where Hal Jordan had killed all the um, Green Lanterns, and he was holding all their rings on his finger, several rings per finger, and looking all crazy. This is back when he was possessed by Parallax. But instead of Hal Jordan and all the Green Lantern rings, we see uh, a very grinny-looking Cornelius, and on his fingers are various different colored lantern rings, not just the green ones. Then the next cover, it shows somebody, I guess it's a mutant, um, human-looking person. Uh, it's a painting, and, and he's holding a yellow lantern. And then in the background, we see just, or no, this is probably the orange lantern. So it's the orange lantern, and then behind him, we see, uh, I guess it's various mutants also kind of like basking in his orange glow. And then there's a cat thing in the background. And I believe that's the last cover. I don't think they had a, um action figure cover for this, this issue. So the story starts with Sinestro uh, recently breaking Atrocitus's arm, and he's about to kill him when Hal Jordan shows up and stops him. A fierce, a fierce battle between the Green Lanterns and the Red Lanterns ensue. Cornelius spends all this time trying to come to grips with his amped up powers and the loss of Zira. He then makes up his mind that he is not here to bring life. He's here to take it. To take it all. Meanwhile, Urso and Zaius find a stunned Grodd, and Urso says that he will return to living under the Lawgiver's Laws tomorrow. And this means that he's not supposed to kill another ape. So, because he's going to start tomorrow, he goes ahead and stabs his spear into Grodd, presumably ending him once and for all. So while the Red Lanterns and the Green Lanterns fight it out, Cornelius and his Universal Ring followers become all white and stringy looking, and they go completely crazy. His minions actually grab a hold of Atrocitus and rip him apart, limb by limb. Cornelius then starts to fight the remaining Lanterns, regardless of their colors. Hal is knocked to the ground during one of these attacks, and Zaius helps him up. Zaius also gives Hal an idea about using the Universal Ring Dampener on Cornelius himself. Hal thinks that this will work, and he orders Sinestro and the other Green Lanterns to coordinate attack. The attack works, and they are able to slip the dampeners onto each of Cornelius' arms and legs. As they all lose their powers and start to fall to the ground, Sinestro does his part and he scoops them all up and places them safely to the ground. Sinestro then tries to take the Universal Ring himself, but before he's able to put it on his finger, Zaius shows up and starts choking the alien with a yellow belt. It seems that the old Green Lantern, as Sinestro had predicted, does not affect the color yellow. So as Sinestro drops the Universal Ring, and he tries to get this crazy monkey off his back. During the fight, Cornelius once again grabs the ring, and he places it on his finger. With his sanity still restored, he's able to fly into space, and perhaps the sun, to destroy the ring once and for all. And we do see some sort of explosion in the heavens, so uh, we don't know exactly what happened. Later, Guy is able to open a portal back to the DCU, 
and Hal talks to Zaius about possibly staying and helping rebuild the society. The apes want nothing to do with the lanterns, and they tell them to leave. The red lanterns leave in cuffs, and they leave Grodd's body there for some reason. I guess because they don't want to take dead people on the trip. So Hal reluctantly agrees with Zaius, and he leaves the planet himself. And then we're treated to two quick epilogues. So the first epilogue shows Urso standing above a bound and gagged Grodd. Seems that he did not kill the great ape after all. And he tells Grodd that he's actually planted a bomb inside of, Gro inside of the gorilla that will go off if it is not reset every hour. Grodd is now at their mercy, just as he was in the DCU under Amanda Waller's tender, loving care. And then the second epilogue shows Cornelius waking up and finds himself in the streets of a human metropolis. Confused, he looks around at all the humans that are looking down at him. He looks up and he yells, No! And we see that he's underneath the shadow of a particular Daily Planet building. The end. Well, you must have been very happy about that ending. Yeah, I was wondering why he was so upset. I'm like, shh, that's where you want to be. <laughs> you want to see soups? Gotta see soups. All right. And uh, one of the people over him looks like they've got their their smartphone out. So. Oh yeah, sure did. <laughs> it's uh, our time period. Not the. Right. I mean, if that's what that is, it's not the 70s or 80s. Yeah. No, it's current time. Hmm. It would have been better if the uh, if I don't know maybe if they were apes, like if there was an ape Superman or something. <laughs> No. Well, th well, that would be that would be in alignment with the original book, right? Yeah. So you don't know did he just somehow end up in the same universe that Hal and everybody was going to, or what? Maybe. I tell you what would have been better is if he looked up and he saw Starfleet Academy sitting. In nah. <laughs> no, no, he's yeah, gonna stay. He's gonna stay in the DCU. Yeah, so it's interesting. So is it going to be um, – well, it, it's wide open now. Sure. And maybe before we jump on to what all this means, because obviously they've totally teed this up mm -hmm. for uh, another series, uh, another sh uh, mini-series probably thing. Right. Um, I thought the ending – I thought the ending was pretty cool. I thought the whole idea that they planted a bomb inside of um, Grodd was it's very funny. Very right, funny. He, he just left Bell Reeve, on, you know, because he was, you know, he had a bomb in his head because of Amanda Waller. Yep. Now he thinks he escaped it, and then Urso did the exact same thing. I love it. Now, mind you, what kind of technology? I mean, uh, is this thing like it's a bomb? I mean, right. they don't have great technology, so. Is or it, any, yeah. Is it like the size of a thermos or something? I mean, how big is this thing? And how do they have a timer that, that I has know. codes and stuff that he doesn't even know? Exactly. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have electronics, right? No. I mean, they got well, rifles and they I'm got... and maybe it's like a kitchen timer or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no explanation. I thought the same thing. Hold on, Grodd. 
<laughs> okay, now we've got you. You got right. you got uh, you got a minute. <laughs> oh, minute egg. Uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then the whole idea that he didn't die. So it's like I, I thought he, when he flew up in the air, I thought he was going to fly into the sun. Oh, so I was like, yeah, that's what I okay. thought. Okay, well, that's a way to get rid of it. You're, you're flying into the sun, and then all of a sudden he he supposedly blows up. It's like what? The, what? Right. Yeah. No. The and it didn't. You know, it didn't reset the wor- world like I thought it would. It didn't mimic the bomb that was at the end of the second movie. So right. Uh, yeah, it was really kind of. I guess they had to really leave it open for a sequel. Yeah. Although they could have totally done a sequel and have you know have him blow up the earth like the bomb did in the, in the end of the second movie. Right. And then him ending up on earth in the past like like Zira and Cornelius did in the third movie. Right. They could have done it if they wanted to. They could have. They could have. Now, but yeah, but, but of course they didn't, obviously, because I'm pretty sure Superman was not in the Planet of the Apes planet ever. So, um, Superman or Green Lane? Superman. Daily Planet. Oh, right. Yeah, no, though he's he's in the current time. Yeah. So now is it going to be like we got a new member of the Justice League? I mean, what's Cornelius? What what's the deal? Yeah, he's a little crazy though. Well, okay. He's still got the universal ring, right? Right. So there should be no Green Lanterns on Earth. Right? How far does this this ring dampening all the lanterns? So if he goes to oh home, oh good point good point planet. yeah so opens up a lot of questions more yeah. questions than I yeah. think they intended exactly so he can't go off and have adventures with Hal and the gang because his ring's going to suck all their powers unless right. they unless they hold on to those uh, those arm based bracelets right anyway plus it's dangerous they they can't let him no he because he's nuts no. Well, okay, he's under the influence of the ring. Right. Right? Right. I mean, when he takes off the ring, he's a lot more sane. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and quickly, too. I mean, like, the instant he took it off, he was yeah. back to his normal self, and then right. he slid it back on to to destroy it. Right. But even after he destroys it uh, and says that he's, you know, doing a sacrifice, um, Sinestro says that this changes nothing, so... Sinestro obviously knows that you can't destroy the ring. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I hope that this sold well enough that they do another one. Yeah, I think so, too. I agree. I think they really will. So it's kind of like they did a couple Star Trek ones. I think they'll do a couple Planet of the Ape ones. Right. Uh, I thought it was funny how uh, Grodd actually looks like Hannibal Lecter at the end. Oh, when he's wearing the mask. He's wearing the mask and everything. Yeah. He's got that look in his face like, oh, he's channeling Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, I really like that Urso didn't kill him. That yeah. he, he held true to that ape will not kill ape. Right. Even when this is an ape from another universe and obviously He's a bad one. Incredibly crazy. Incredibly crazy. Incredibly nasty. Anyway. That, forcing that's one people of the things to... about Planet of the Apes that I liked, that Urso wasn't a bad guy. He was doing what he thought was right, right? Well, so, that's what a lot of villains do. That's that's what makes them the best villains. 
Like, Grodd, he wanted to destroy them because that's what he wanted to do, right? Right. He's truly a bad guy. So is Sinestro. They're the classic, I'm evil because I'm evil. and I'm Well, but Sinestro wants to bring order. Uh, I guess so. To everything. Yeah, by forcing his will on Exactly, exactly. But that's not... But Urso's character, he wasn't doing that. He was following orders, and, you know, he was doing what he thought was, you know, best for... Sure. The ape society. Yeah. Zayas would be probably the closest to being the, the true villain in those, but even he was well, again, kind of doing it because he thought it was the right thing. Exactly. So he thought it was best if people or apes did not know anything about the past and the fact that there were intelligent humans that actually had advanced technology that ended up destroying their entire society. Right. So he did not want the same things to happen to his people, so... Purposely right. keeping them, you know, not too sophisticated. Right, which to me that makes – those are the best villains. Exactly, right. They think, they think they're doing the right thing. Right. And who knows? Maybe they are. They ain't. They crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm really interested in what uh, Dr. Zayas – does Dr. Zayas have a long-term plan with Grodd or is it just, you know – well, he's doing, that's a good question. I don't know if Dr. Zayas knows. He's not in that epilogue at all. It's well, I know, Ursa. but it seems like Ursa and, and Dr. Zayas were like, you know, they were like in on everything. Right. Now, I'm with you, but because when I read it the first time, I just assumed Zayas was in on it. But then I, when I was doing the synopsis, looking at it again, it really felt like Zayas thought he was dead. I mean, because really, that's the only person that Urso had the trick was Zayas. Yeah, because because he was there, so he purposely cut him in a way that would well, bleed a lot, but not kill him. Well, but, but they also had to trick the lanterns, because other lan other, if he was if he wasn't dead, the lanterns would have taken him back. Well, no, they don't. They say they d- didn't detect any any life coming from him or something right. like that. So they left. They, so- they never even saw the body. I know, but my point is, if he would have been alive, they would have taken him with them. Then they're not going to just leave Grodd alive there on the Planet of the Apes. Right. They're going to take him with them because he's going to cause nothing but trouble, and they know it. It's their responsibility to take him back with them so they can keep him, you know, put him on ice. But they purpose, for some reason, um, Zaius, I think, and Ursus purposely made it look like he's dead, but he isn't. Right. And I, is that part of some long-term plan? Or are they really just trying to get everything back to normal? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, I, I mean, there is a, a conversation between Urso and um, Zaius where Zaius talks about maybe Cornelius was right and that he could break the cycle. Right. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. Urso, uh, Zaius does say your ruse worked. Right. So he he was in on it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I'm curious to see. I mean, I mean, obviously the bomb's not there. So what would destroy the planet now? So how would it reset it? I don't know. That's a very good question. Yeah, he he took the nuclear bombs. Unless there's more nuclear bombs, but he took all the nuclear bombs to make all the rings. Right. So they can't blow up. I don't think. Right. Anyway, so. 
odds are these two threads that look like they're in very different places and going to go off on their own directions, they're probably going to come back together again. Right. So Yeah, ho- hopefully in a few Clever, months. clever of the writers. Clever, clever, clever. Yeah, so hopefully this time next year we'll be talking about the uh, volume two. Yes, and and maybe maybe reviewing it. Maybe maybe it would be cool if they did a uh, Planet of the Apes and then you know just chose other DC comic characters, maybe even the Justice League, you know, and have all of them in it and not just the Lanterns, uh, since he is on a on the planet. He's yep. on the DCU universe. Well, at the very least, I mean, they got to be saying, Hey everybody, we're going to have soups next time. Come on. I'd buy that one. Exactly. You would. (laughs) Exactly. You would. So, uh, I I think it's very entertaining how Atrocitus keeps on dying. I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. (laughs) So Khan kills him and then Cornelius kills him. Yep. And in this one, it's a lot more bloody. Yeah, that, I was kind of surprised that they showed that much blood. Exactly. So now uh, Khan ends up crushing his head. Off so screen. that's pretty pretty bloody too. But they didn't show it. Exactly. Off screen. Exactly. They don't show it. This one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A pool of blood. Yeah, Indeed. he like pops like a water balloon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Right. Obviously not written for the kitties. Not that page. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's really the last thing I have to say about it. All right. I thought it was a good series. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I except for the, like, let's throw everybody in a big fight thing, um, it had a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, I don't know... What else they could have done with it? I mean, yeah. they needed to have the big fights and stuff. But right. yeah, I, I was I was getting a little fight fatigue there towards the end. Yeah. Good. All right, I'm glad you like it, and I'm glad. I hope other people listening liked it and don't mind us taking a little sidestep from our normal Star Trek reviews. Right. But I think anybody that likes Star Trek would probably dig this kind of thing too. It's just the same kind of interesting, um, interesting characters and. Right, definitely in the the general genre, and anybody who's into Star Trek probably is very familiar with Planet of the Apes and Green Lantern. So, right, maybe not so much Green Lantern, but well, at least if you're Planet in the, of the comic Apes. books, you know Green Lantern. But yeah, yeah, definitely Green. Well, Planet. everybody knows it from that awesome movie. <laughs> it wasn't that horrible. <laughs> You're talking about the Tim Burton one, right? <laughs> no, I know you're talking about Green Lantern. I'm talking about Green Lantern, which was an okay movie. I liked it. I definitely think it got a bigger rap than it should have. But right. again, yeah, people, people, it people like to pile on. It wasn't. No, as it good could have like been better. And other uh, other outings, but yeah. Uh, but it was also a different tone. It, they were trying to go lighter, I think, and it just didn't work. Well, yeah. All right, well, next week we're going to be back to our normal Star Trek reviews, and we're doing, but it's also a little different because we're doing a issue called Deviations, where yes. it's kind of a what-if type scenario. Exactly. In addition to that one, we're doing a Waypoint number five. Right. So Deviations number one and only, right? 
Uh, yeah, it was part of a big crossover uh, miniseries that IDW had with all of their licensed stuff. So mm-hmm. unlike um, Infestation, where they did actually all have the same storyline, or at least a, a, a thread of a storyline, mm-hmm. uh, this year they went and did a what-if type thing for all of them. So it's like an Elseworld. So every every comic book had a different what if the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man didn't die? Of the ones I've read, I've enjoyed the uh, the what if scenario. So yeah, hopefully the Star Trek one is as good. Well, it looks very different, very different from our uh, next gen. And by the way, it's next gen. It looks right. very different from um, what we're used to. Right. And then uh, Waypoint number five, um, obviously two short stories, and I don't remember what they were off the top of my head. Do you remember what genre they were in? Or what uh, era? Um, I think that's the – I think that's one where one of the stories is like – I think it's Taz, but really the character is not – only briefly does something with a Taz character. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, something to look forward to. And then to. she has her own thing going. Right. And then the other one, I think, is DS9. Okay. Okay. I'm liking that Waypoint one, but a lot of times the stories, I wish, were longer. Like, like you could, yeah. have, you could have had a more fleshed out story as opposed to something that has to, you know, end in 10 pages. Right. So. I, and, and the thing is, sometimes in comic books... They take a story that's really not a lot of meat, and they throw a lot of filler in. Mm-hmm, so right. some stories work perfect for this waypoint length. But yeah, some seem underdeveloped. Right. So we'll see how these two fare in that, in that regards. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Ken. Well, I'll see you or I'll talk to you next week. Sounds great, Donovan. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.